0: Well, I'm going to call this a very special edition of the Let's Go Eat Show. Why is it a very special edition? I, I guess the main reason it's a very special edition of the Let's Go Eat Show is that it's, I think, the very first one where we haven't eaten anything. <laughs> and why did that come about? Well, I'll tell you. Um, I mean, I know it's supposed to be centered around food, but it just didn't work out this time. Uh, I had an opportunity to interview the Attorney General of the State of Utah, Sean Reyes. And I wanted to talk to him about something uh, specific, something that he had done that I read about in the paper and maybe a lot of you had heard about. Uh, he went on a, uh, a sting, on a raid, on an on a undercover mission that was kind of dangerous uh, to Columbia uh, to help break up a child sex trafficking ring. And uh, that's what I wanted to talk to him about specifically. And uh, so uh, the only time we could work this conversation in was uh, this past week. And we went to his uh, we went to his office up at the state capitol uh, because the legislature is in session. When the legislature is in session, he has an office at the state capitol. And he's up there a lot because he has a lot of work to do with the legislature. When the legislature isn't in session, he has an office. Uh, I'm not sure where it is, downtown somewhere. And things are a little more relaxed. But when now the legislature is in session, he doesn't have a lot of time. So his assistant, Missy Larson, said, uh, come up at 1 o'clock on a Wednesday afternoon. He's got one hour. We'll sit in his office, do the interview. There just wasn't really any time to uh, arrange anything to eat. So it's a let's-go-eat show without anything to eat. Well, let me tell you, the... Uh, uh, Attorney General for Utah is a very talkative guy. He's a really affable, likable, uh, chatty fellow. Uh, he has a very nice office up at the State Capitol, Room 230 uh, at the Capitol uh, in the rotunda. It's on the second level there. You know, I'm not sh- You know, I'm really not sure what a rotunda is. I don't know why they call it the rotunda, but there it is. It's on the second floor. And uh, you go in, and there's a nice uh, little lady there uh, who's his receptionist. And uh, she said, well, I think he just stepped out for a second, but let me check. And, the, and there's a security door there behind her. Uh, and so she goes, and she said, he just stepped out, but you're supposed to go into his office and uh, uh, set up the equipment. And so I go into his office and start setting up, in Deshaun Reyes' office, and start setting up the uh, recording equipment. And he's got all kinds of stuff in there. It's a nice office. Not huge, but just nice. And he's got all kinds of memorabilia in there. He's got, uh, um, you know, just... but uh, uh, He's got stuff... He's got Glenn Beck stuff in there. So, you know, that's a little... That's a little suspect to me, but... Because I think Glenn Beck is crazy. Uh, but, uh, but he is... Um, he is a Republican, I guess, and, and he is a Mormon, and Sean Reyes is a Republican, and he is LDS, So, uh, and I, I don't know if they're friends, but he's got stuff from Glenn Beck in there, and he, but he also has a Marvel comic book stuff in his office, and uh, we'll talk about that in the interview coming up, and he's got sports memorabilia and all kinds of, of nice stuff in there, and, uh, it's just, a, but it's a comfortable, nice office. And uh, he wasn't really—he uh, wasn't gone very long. He, so, uh, uh, Sean uh, Reyes, Attorney General Reyes, and and his um, press person, Missy Larson, uh, came into the office, and we sat down, and we really got right to it almost at uh, the beginning. And I'd intended to get into this serious subject with Sean uh, about this child uh, sex trafficking, and uh, I don't know. Somehow, the conversation just started out on a on a more personal and on, on a lighter note. And so we talked a lot about his life and where he came from and what kind of a guy he is. And, and the more we talked, the more I liked him. And uh, I think you'll see he's, he's, a pretty, he's a pretty interesting and he's a great person. He has an interesting background and he's just a likable fellow. Uh, so here we go. Uh, it's the Let's Go Eat show, but, but there isn't any food this time. Uh, it's the Attorney General for the state of Utah, Sean Reyes. And I guess if you're pouring drinks, you can go ahead and have a double for yourself, but not for me this time. I was I was looking at some stuff online, <laughs> just you know, just to get myself ready for the interview. We've started, by the way, uh, Sean Reyes, uh, Attorney General for the state of Utah. And uh, looking at some stuff online about you, and I happen to see that little Bloomberg, the little Bloomberg clip with the rap, and uh, and I thought, oh no, oh no, I, this is going to be embarrassing. Train wreck, yeah. It's going to be embarrassing. I'm going to see the Attorney General of the State of Utah rap, do a haka dance, and do an Elvis uh, I- impersonation. And I'm gonna not, then not going to go up to his office and be able to look him in the eye. <laughs> and, and here you are. We can still have mutual respect. Because, that. I have to say, you did not embarrass yourself. I think it's interesting that you were willing to do it, A, uh, for that Bloomberg reporter. Where were you, by the way? It was a nice
1: tropical-looking location. We were in Coronado in San, in San Diego area. Yeah
0: and uh, I, and I don't know how how he knew that about you or something, but he said, "Yeah, I, I hear you used to do some rapping."
1: You know, I think he prefaced it, um, maybe he was more provocative than that. If I recall, he said something to the effect of, I know Republicans are all really boring. And <laughs> uh, he did. since, yeah, you're, since right. you're all meeting here as Republicans, you, 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 there's, you know, probably no excitement going on at all. And, and I think he made reference to, yeah, I heard you grew up in maybe in a tough neighborhood. So do you do, you do something in your rap? And, <laughs> uh, and you from, did.
0: And was that an original? Attempt? That was
1: an original from years and years ago. I yeah. mean, I used to have those. Uh, that we'd sometimes freestyle and make up on the spot, and some that we had, uh, you know, memorized.
0: I'm not going to make you do it. Maybe uh, <laughs> I, I won't make you do it uh, uh, unless really the spirit moves you. Maybe at the end.
1: Well, maybe <laughs> yeah, at the end we'll, we'll do what it. What spirit? Uh,
0: <laughs> but then you did the haka.
1: And was yes. that from
0: your sports days? And-
1: you know, from my sports days, but I also used to dance hula. Um, as far, A lot of my family are entertainers. My mom's from the Big Island of Hawaii, and we have a lot of uh, cousins who are Samoan and Tongan and Tahitian and Maori. And, uh, you know, when you mix those all together, uh, funny story, though, most of them are quite talented professional performers. Really? And my uh, aunt once, uh, who was the choir director, uninvited me from the choir and said, you know, you don't sing very well. And you don't dance very well either. (laughs) And so I said, well, okay. Is there anything left for me to do? she said, well, you talk okay. So I ended up emceeing a lot of the hula performances and and lu- that was lu- luau's.
0: that was fun wasn't it that was always my position too right so we're kindred spirits <laughs> yeah you know, no, but you're a much better uh singer and or you know. dancer than i am because yeah, well, the haka it, was pretty good that's
1: kind of you um but yeah sports also we used to do that with our uh football teams but trust me that that was all very raw and mm. and, and quite unscripted uh, now
0: listen i want to uh, we're, we're going to talk about a serious subject here and i didn't yes. i was going to start right out with that but maybe we should start out a little lighter and then transition into That and we'll talk Um, about talk about your background a little bit because that's where we are. Uh, You uh, you grew up
1: where Uh, Westchester, Inglewood area Mm -hmm. in Los Angeles, tough neighborhoods. Yeah, you know, not the worst neighborhoods, but uh, definitely not the the finest neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. There weren't a lot of uh, country clubs. Um, You know, we we didn't grow up playing. uh, tennis, golf, or uh, yeah. um, any of those sports. But we moved out when I was a little bit older to the San Fernando Valley, mm-hmm. so Valley Boy, for yeah. sure, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you mix in the surf culture from close by in Malibu and Zuma. And again, it just sort of underscored, I, I had such a diverse background growing up. Southern California is that way, and d- different religions in the home, different uh, ethnicities and cultures and traditions. Well, you,
0: you alluded to all of that, so uh, what what cultures uh, is your family, and is a big family
1: it's 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 a very large extended family no. uh, although it might only have two siblings um, okay. but my mom is from the big island of hawaii so she's half native hawaiian and her father is a uh, third generation japanese mm-hmm. so sensei mm-hmm. uh-huh. um, and uh, she grew up uh, there on uh, on a pretty remote little uh, rural uh, part of the big island mm-hmm. beautiful gorgeous green lush uplands dad uh, is from the philippines Fresh from, the, I mean, he was he's he's an immigrant, FOB, fresh off the fresh boat. Off the boat. I was yeah, going to yeah. say it, but then. no, we, you know, I'll say it, and then nobody will get offended. Because yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, you know, he he came during the Marcos regime. He had actually had a, a remarkable career. Speaking of performers, he had performed on tour with Bob Hope, singing. He was an entertainer. He had had uh, portraits commissioned from even the Pope. That had hung in the Vatican. Portraits um, of him. A uh, portraits of the of the Pope that he had commissioned. He my had, father to. Oh, to he's, paint. a so he's a painter. Also, he's a painter. He had been a movie producer. At fifteen, he was a line producer for MGM, doing big blockbuster movies like Beach Red with Cornell Wilde. So, really talented wow. individual. Had his own radio and TV show. Really. Um, so in Los uh, Angeles. No, in the Philippines. In the Philippines. So he was doing all of this in the Philippines, and then uh, and his uncle had been president of the Philippines, uh, a man named Ramon Magsaysay, who was a Widely regarded time, international uh, man of the year, you know, very, Mm -hmm. very much uh, uh, adored in the Philippines. When Marcos took over uh, a couple of administrations later, my dad was very outspoken against the Ferdinand Marcos regime. And probably for good reason, we saw what happened eventually under the dictatorship. Mm -hmm. But the Marcos uh, supporters weren't keen on dad's. You know, outspoken uh, positions, and so they threatened his life a number of times, and he hightailed it here to the states, and 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 uh, sought, you know, came legally, sought uh, uh, the protection of the United States, and won a Martin Luther King art contest um, in commemoration of Reverend King. That a national art contest. Immediately, uh, got him some stability, and um, kind of he was off uh, to the races from there. He's had his his arch uh, shown in um, uh, Smithsonian museums, and Man. so you know, really talented guy. And uh, so again, I say, uh, growing up in an environment around someone like that, I, I don't, I can't sing, I can't, uh, I can't dance. But what, uh,
0: what kind of work did he find? Did he did he immediately go to the L.A. area? To so Southern he stayed. California? Yes, he was. He went, he went to went. L.A. That's mm-hmm. where he
1: met my mom, who mm-hmm. was a school teacher in an inner city mm-hmm. uh, school. And and they met and married and uh, and, that's, what, and
0: what kind of work did he find there?
1: He was he was still painting a lot. Yeah. I mean, it, it, when he first came, he was you know getting paid in apples and dog food or whatever mm-hmm. anybody would give him. The interesting thing about the MLK contest, he didn't even have funds to buy the paints. Uh, a, a blind neighbor of his had some old crusty acrylics, and Dad threw some water and painted on a, a ramshackle. The, the shelf that he took off of the cupboard. Just a board. Um, just know? a board. Yeah. And it won for L.A. And then it went on to win for California. And then lo and behold, it won for the entire United States. And Coretta Scott King came and said, you know, um, this is really cool. Uh, what a great story! And so the the King legacy touches our family in a way that you know mm-hmm. is very unique. Where's that painting today? I, I think it's in a museum or one of the the schools back in Georgia. I can't remember exactly. Is um, your
0: father still alive?
1: He's still alive. He's still sure. alive. He was just here at the inauguration mm-hmm. uh, a couple of weeks ago, singing uh, songs in Tagalog and in Hawaiian <laughs> uh, on stage here in the rotunda
0: how wonderful i mean that's just wonderful and he he must be just as proud as as anything of you
1: you know he is it, it, and 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 one of the reasons why it was so gratifying to have him there is yeah you know he's he's accomplished so much but he's proudest of of us as kids and
0: uh, well, now growing up uh and your mother uh was a school teacher growing school teacher. up was you are a republican uh, a relatively conservative, although I think not not the most conservative conservative Republican in the world. Uh, uh, growing up, was your household Republican? And uh,
1: you know, they, they were. Although um, our extended family in Hawaii, most everyone's a Democrat. Democrat I, in yeah. California, most everyone's a Democrat. But the some of the Republican Party. Um, values uh, were ones that my dad, I think, immediately um, gravitated towards, and uh, and so I he, he dressed me up in Richard Nixon pajamas when I was you know hey, a, a you year or two old. I do have a picture somewhere lurking around. I, if you me. would send that to me,
0: I'd be I'll, I'll post it online <laughs> with this interview. All right, I, I'd All love right. to see that.
1: You know, and 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 you know, when people tr- do try to categorize me, I think one thing that uh, um, Clarence Thomas, Justice Thomas from the Supreme Court, said is you know. Know what you there are all sorts of labels that we use but don't try to label me i mean i'm a, a very um, mm-hmm, unique um,
0: i don't know you know a lot of people say uh immigrants in particular you know you hear this argument particularly with the hispanic population you hear republicans say really hispanics would would more align with republican values in, in the long run but uh for some, you know, for some reason they they go Democrat because you know, but the the values are Republican in terms of. Family or fiscal responsibility, and but then uh, and maybe that's your kind of background as well.
1: I think that is some of it. There is a there's a lot of sort of faith oriented, God fearing, uh, family centered, mm-hmm. uh, you know, hard work in industry, um, small business things that uh, that the Republican Party has supported for a long time. And again, that that did play a lot into into that. Mom growing up, uh, you know, uh, again in an environment, she is LDS, dad is Catholic. Um, and, and I think some of those things factored in, but she was in a tough school. I mean, she, mm-hmm. uh, there were times when she was the principal drive by shootings and uh, some of the kids would, would, would try to protect her, you know, throw her down on and, and I asked him, mom, why I mean, these are the same kids who discipline all the time yeah. and why, why are they trying to protect you? And, and she, she said, you know, I asked them the same thing and their response was, well, Mrs. Reyes, we don't, we don't like it. But we respect you a lot Because you're the only one Who really cares enough to, to, to try to discipline us And look out for us And I learned a lot from that too Did your
0: dad ever convert To the uh, LDS church? Or did he, he did
1: uh, Not too long ago He joined the LDS Very faith. pretty recently huh? Yeah, well you know why I say that It's been now 15 years But uh-huh. it seems like in my, my The rest of my life We grew up going to Either Catholic mass Or uh, LDS services Primarily uh, we, we went with my mom mm-hmm. um, But we had a great deal Usually of that's the way it is Isn't it? You, you know that's yeah. But, but but Dad would come to both, and we would go. Uh, I mean, still, uh, you know, midnight mass uh, mm-hmm. in the holidays, and uh, there's a blue mass coming up um, uh, that uh, I know for law enforcement. I-, I love, I love a lot of the traditions. And I think every culture, every religion, mm-hmm. every uh, uh, ethnicity has has such beautiful truths to share, and and I and I do like embracing a lot of those. There is
0: a, there is one thing the Mormon Church does not have, and it is pageantry. Really, <laughs> I mean, like the <laughs> Catholic Church has, you know, you're I mean, right. Cere- yeah, that yeah, intense ceremony yeah. and and costume and all of that you know theatricality right you know. right uh so so growing up in a, and then a hawaiian philippine
1: uh sure and then you know lots of different uh, you know my again i had cousins that were buddhist and cousins that belonged to all sorts of other uh of the world faiths and southern california itself is a melting pot so every conceivable um you know race and ethnicity around i, I remember moving out from the to the valley and Actually, most of our neighbors were Jewish, and so I would mm-hmm. go to uh, Hebrew school sometimes mm-hmm. with them. And high holy holidays we had off, and but it was always about just sharing um, your culture with each other and trying to find commonalities and beauties, um, you know, that we that we could build off of mm mm-hmm. uh,
0: did you at some point decide uh, I'm uh, you you went to LDS Church with your mom yeah. uh, and uh, you were probably baptized when you were a little kid and and did you always just kind of identify and say well I'm, I'm pretty much a Mormon kid
1: I would say that's accurate yeah, yeah I, I grew up uh, predominantly Mormon mm-hmm. but also fiercely defensive of other religions because again those are my friends and I love them sure. and, and and I um, you know, wanted people to realize that uh, it was, by and large most of what we believed in we all had in common um, and that's when religion really is is best when we're talking about just protecting each other and, and helping your neighbor and trying to uh, serve each other. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, surfing kid? You say you said you were out there in the surfing atmosphere.
1: In at that moment. environment? I'm a horrible surfer. I'll just be <laughs> uh, uh, straight up I, I surf like I sing and I dance. Um, I'm telling far, you you <laughs> sing, and da-
0: sing and dance pretty well.
1: Far below the Standards of my uh, my cousins and the friends. You know, you grew up in Hawaii in that environment. That's mm-hmm. you know that's a that's a baseline talent or skill. Um, you can do it though. Uh, I, I've been up on a board. Let's put it oh, that way. Okay. I, I will. Okay. Here's my confession. Uh, one of the reasons I like to go out with my surfer buddies. Um, we'd go out early. Uh, is that they'd always bring you know the girls along, and yeah. while they were surfing. Uh, well, you know, somebody had to start the little bonfire and keep the girls, you know, entertained, and and I ended up getting a lot of attention that way. Uh-huh.
0: So, well, that's not bad. <laughs> you know,
1: you just got to use what you've got, right? And uh, I wasn't the best-looking uh, amongst the bunch or the, the best uh, a surfer, so, yeah.
0: Uh, how about uh, other sports? Were you a
1: sports-minded kid growing up? Sure, I played. Uh, I was a captain of the basketball team and the volleyball team, and I played a lot of football on the, on the high school team. I had D3 and a JUCO offers in a number of sports, but my best sport was volleyball. Did a little bit of track, too, just to stay in shape. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Put the shot for a while. But um, so in sports was an incredible part of my growing up.
0: Yeah. Did you know uh, when you were a kid uh, what you wanted to do from an early age?
1: No. Nope. Didn't didn't have a a grand vision of being something. Really?
0: Just you just... You just thought, well, you're just going to, I don't know, you're just going to. You know,
1: I I think a lot of times Asian uh, families, uh, they're, they're, you know, uh, often they're pushing you towards medicine or uh, law, but it was so focused just on school and grades Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, practices or lessons or whatever. Um, you know, of course, like everybody else, honestly, if I, if I could choose, I wanted to be a superhero. I wanted to find some ring that would transform me and I could go out and protect, uh, everyone. I was, I loved, um, particularly Marvel comics, but DC also, I'm speaking at comic con coming up, uh, on the, the, this particular panels, uh, on Josh, Josh, uh, Whedon, Whedon. Yeah. Uh, But, uh, um, Josh, we I, yeah. and, and and I I am I've done some for Star Wars and I've done um, didn't I see some, some comic
0: book stuff? Oh yeah, there's a big Marvel comic. There's book there's, there's stuff here.
1: All, all around.
0: In um, the office here, yeah, right. uh, and so and uh, so you kind of had a you lived in a little bit of a fantasy world.
1: Yeah, you know I think mm-hmm. when you know especially if you're in an environment that's. Mm-hmm. Um, By both my parents worked, so there was a lot of time, uh, you know, being there uh, alone. And uh, sometimes, in the circumstances, you you, it was a great escape to Mm -hmm. to think about. I I love the Comic Con environment. Uh, I told Dan Farr last night, who founded it here, and you you know, Mm -hmm. it brings everyone together. Again, doesn't matter your religious or political stripe. It's a place where we can all gather and and feel good. And in that universe, there was. You know, sort of, there was the good guys and the bad guys, and things were pretty simple. And uh, and so, if if there ever was something, I thought, you know what, I want to grow up and be um, super, be a superhero.
0: Yeah. Uh, who was your fa- What was your favorite? Uh, your real my f- favorite character. Yeah. And and do you and do you still read that co- the comic that is your favorite? I love character? the X Men. You still up. read X Men? I, I
1: still do. Although, I mean, now they're it's transitioned and it's so different than what I. So oftentimes, I'll read the old. Uh, what I call classic, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, comics uh, and and versions of that. So I still do. I, I, I love. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's
0: morphed into different universes and different right. parallel stories and all of that. Stuff. And the
1: art and the storylines have have kind of maybe even uh, passed me by. Yeah. Um, but but I think there's something magical about that. I love science fiction for that. Star Wars. Mm-hmm. I was just enamored with that. Um, and it gives a lot of hope and, um, and and then in my current position, on the law enforcement side, um, not that we are superheroes, but the, the people well, that in I a way, work with you, you, the, you some people would maybe look at
0: you as that.
1: I view the, I view a lot of the law enforcement as heroes. Mm-hmm. I mean I view the, the people that I work with. They're not perfect and they not and they make mistakes, but um, they do put their lives on the line and they try to the ones that I know work extremely hard. Mm-hmm. To, to do the right thing and to protect people. And mm. that's why they're, they're out there, mm. and they're great professionals. So there is that aspect.
0: Um. I mean, I, that was going through my mind as you said that. I wanted to, I wanted to protect people and help people, and, in, and that's what you are, in fact, doing. As mm. the Attorney General, you're, you're the top law enforcement officer of the state of Utah. So at some point, uh, Sean Reyes uh, figures out that he's gonna be an attorney, Right. When did that happen?
1: Uh, it happened in college. Uh, although I think um, my my father was a after doing picture art, he was a producer and director, and the entertainment world is pretty. Pretty cutthroat, especially if um, you're considered to be an outsider, which he was. And so he was doing independent films back in the late 70s, early 80s. Anything we might recognize? Oh, I hope not. Um, Nothing that I hope you've ever seen. Exploitation uh, (laughs) movies? and (laughs) No, no, not in terms of that. Um, Just quality. Just terrible. Terrible. uh, You know... B movies, C minus oh, really? movies. <laughs> well, I've been in some of them. So, uh, okay. so I know what well, they're you know like. What, you know what that's <laughs> yeah. like. I mean, he he always felt a little frustrated because I think he's a true artist and, and his other artwork bears that out. But when you're just trying to make sure that your crew's getting paid and yeah. and that you're, you know, you're hawking them at Cannes and Milan and the AFM, I just worried about making enough, getting distribution to, to some of these third world countries that'll that'll pay. Um, so he did a, a number of those but the the he was getting sued all the time. I mean, everybody in that environment is always yeah. suing each other um, for something, and I think that was the maybe the first stirrings of um, wanting to protect, you know, the smaller. Uh, business owner from the, the sort of, you know, larger companies.
0: So you were thinking what's happening, my dad isn't quite fair here.
1: He isn't quite fair. Um, and he also talked to me. Constitutional issues were always a big thing. Things we mm-hmm. talked about at the dinner table. So there was sort of that background. But the actual, you know what, I want to practice law. I think that didn't come until college. I was actually looking to be a, an English professor. I love to teach, I love to read, hmm. I love to write poetry. Hmm. Uh, I just posted one on Facebook in, in memory of uh, my friend Becky Lockhart, not, not the greatest ever, but I was sitting there during a song they were singing in the funeral and just penned something out, and you know, that, that's how I expressed myself a lot in, in high school and college. And, you,
0: you are a Renaissance man, John: Yes.: yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> uh,
1: I, Do I, you also draw? I I did I used to do that I won uh, my own Martin Luther King art contest for Southern California when I was of course you (laughs) twelve. Of course you did. But, but, uh, but really, you know, you know. again, my, my dad was, I, I consider him to be a real renaissance man, and so that was always an aspiration. Yeah. If we can be good, you know, he was a good martial artist, he was good in all these different things, so you try to aspire to, maybe you're not the best, but, but to be respectable. Do it. To do, to do Just, it, and, yeah. and he had a motto, you know, do it well or not at all, and so we try, and everything we, we, we engaged in to do it extremely well. But, um, hmm. yeah, that... The, the, uh, I, I did a little bit of picture art and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and so when I got to college And realized Was that at BYU I, you, BYU undergrad yeah. And I went to Berkeley for law school um, But when I was at BYU undergrad I was uh, aiming to uh, You know Go into academia And one of the I can't remember who she, uh, what, what her title was I remember her well Her name's Eileen Crane And she was the I think pre-law advisor And she said You know I think you'd be a great lawyer uh, and I've heard you speak and I think you've just got a great mind and you ought to consider it. And I I will admit that maybe it was just, uh, I don't want to say greed, but I thought, okay, I can go to a, a graduate school for three years and just you know, jump into a legal career academia seems long that's a you know mm-hmm. <laughs> master's phd and yeah. uh, long road down
0: and you don't make any money being an english teacher
1: and 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 there's the financial um, part of it and then also i talked to some friends and they said you can really make a difference we think if you've got a legal background whether you practiced your entire career or just a little mm-hmm. whatever you did it'll it'll help you and and you can and you can protect people and you can uh mm-hmm. maybe right some wrongs and i thought okay that sounds noble and so i went into the Study of law there at Berkeley, fantastic mm. experience, loved.
0: Uh, uh, loved now, the- yeah, so you you finish up at BYU uh, with the, like the last couple of years, thinking, well, I'm I'm going to go to law school, and you you ge- start gearing your BYU studies to that.
1: Not Is really. That how, no? I it really was a kind of a lot. La- I think I was. A, I started off as a junior because I had so many AP credits mm. and other things. Mm. Um, so I was only there at BYU for two and a half years. Mm. Um, Interrupted by an LDS mission, but but by the time I was done, I think I didn't start thinking seriously about law until I was a senior mm-hmm. and um, and started looking at programs. But then I did take the LSAT and, mm-hmm. and, and got geared up that way. Uh, where'd you go on your mission? I served in the in Chicago, the inner uh, barrios of Chicago, yeah. downtown, twenty sixth, humble, eighteenth Street, um, speaking Spanish down there. Now
0: see, I thought I thought for sure you were going to say that you had been to a Spanish. Speaking country Because I know you speak Fluent yes. Spanish And that's the reason But you you had Spanish speaking skills
1: Before that Even yeah. my grandmother um, She spoke uh, Fluent Tagalog And other Tagalog um, is Filipino dialect Of the Philippines Of the Philippines yeah. But she also spoke Very good Spanish mm-hmm. And she cared And tended for me a lot And she would try to Once again uh, Just like she had With her kids Try to teach them to try, She taught me Latin uh, Spanish um, Not at the highest Level, uh-huh. but but enough that I was exposed. And when I got into high school, I my Spanish teachers were like, "You're, you're pretty fluent. I mean, yeah. you speak Spanish better than at least a better accent than we do, and mm-hmm. um, and and then you're and you're you're mastering it in a in a in a way that's college level. So it was a you know when I went out to to serve as a missionary, that was a pretty, yeah. pretty easy transition.
0: Mm-hmm. So you go to Berkeley Law, Berkeley uh, did now, and then what kind of law did you think you were gonna do? What did you have on a contract?
1: Yeah, I was really interested on the business side. Um, I think one of my professors, Larry Sonsini from Wilson Sonsini, scared me uh, a little bit. He had a securities uh, class, and he was talking about how the lawyers at his firm build 3000 hours a year or so, which, you know, when you translate into human hours is like hundred hour work weeks every week. And I just thought, wow, that is, uh, that's kind of brutal. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I love the constitutional side of law, but I didn't have a, you know, I'm going to be a, um, <laughs> a particular brand of lawyer. Uh, and so the litigation kind of the s- rules of civil procedure, uh-huh. uh, interested me. And then when I, Clerked, um, and then started my law practice. Um, they, they kind of just slotted me in. I started to do big litigation cases uh, as a junior lawyer.
0: Uh, so, so you started a law, now you clerked for a while. Where, and how, where did you do that?
1: You know, I clerked for uh, a law firm here in Utah, Parsons, Bailey, and Latimer, both Mm -hmm. of my summer years. Mm -hmm. I had some judicial clerkships. Uh, lined up and opportunities there, but uh, selfishly, I wanted to be in Utah because my wife was coming. My now, my my wife now, but she was a a, a friend or girlfriend at the time mm-hmm. was coming home from an LDS mission. Mm-hmm during summer of my first year and I said, you know what? There are a lot of other better looking guys, gentlemen suitors, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, smarter some One was a doctor already. I mean, he had a gorgeous car and I've said, Oh, my only chance is to be on the ground and, and, and work that her family. Mm-hmm. And so I came back to Utah spurning the other uh, offers um, to work at a fantastic firm. Parsons Bailey was, you know, a national and international recognized firm, mm-hmm. but I told them later I came because I was a uh, you know there's a you just strategy really you know. wanted this girl what I the, wanted this girl And your wife's name what was her what's her name It's Sasha
0: Sasha what's her maiden name
1: Sasha Fossen uh, uh uh
0: there yeah Fawson, I know that name from yeah, their uh, April Fossen I think so there's yeah. some cousins there are and some around Anyway yeah. uh so you did she know how uh, how actively you were pursuing her Oh she knew yes yeah.
1: but she was playing coy or yeah. herself a little bit and mm-hmm. uh and she had told me before because uh, I had I had somewhat proposed. I mean, I had hinted to her before she left on her LDS mission. You know, this is something that we ought to do. I, I mean, you've worked your way up um, now. I think you're you know this, we're, we're 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 compatible. Uh, I, I you know I, I was maybe a, a bit. Uh, full of myself, and she pointed that out and said, "You got a lot of work to do, mm-hmm. um, but I, I I sense a lot of good in you." Um, mm-hmm. You know, Anakin? Uh, no, I, <laughs> uh, no, no, no. That's uh, she. But she said, I, "I I think you're you're awesome, but you you do need to polish up a little bit." So I'm gonna go on a on a mission, and you've got 18 months to uh, figure it out. Um, and we wrote to each other every week. Well, yeah. at least I wrote to her every week. She she wrote most of the time back. Mm-hmm. And uh and so she knew that I was waiting for her, she knew that I was committed and when she got home, boy, I, I was there and I had worked it all summer with her parents. I, I'm not great at the farm and her dad you know grew up in Grantsville, he's a physician, but he had I was working up at the farm with him and shopping with her mom and cooking and oh, my. by the time she you got did back, it all oh. you know, I, I I worked with the – yeah, it's funny when in college when the when the parents would come, the dads would take all the, the real men golfing I'm not a good golfer at mm. all. And so I'd go shopping with the moms. And I, you know what? Uh, all I would have to say is, gosh, you know, we've on we've our 10th recipe for a um, cup of noodles. And half of Costco was ours, <laughs> you know, by the time we got home. Yeah. And so mm. – Anyway. Yeah, you
0: do. So, so this uh, and how soon after she came home off of her mission did you get married? Uh, pretty quickly, like uh, three got, days. A
1: <laughs> <laughs> little longer, but uh, not too much. No, we got engaged in a few months, and we were married uh, uh, a couple months after that. So it was it was a short, uh, you know, courtship. But we had we had been friends before. We'd been study partners. We'd graduated together. You met her at BYU. We met or? at BYU. Yeah, yeah, yeah great. We were and both that, in the English program. Great.
0: And, uh, um, and and what did she? What was she doing while you were at Berkeley? Well,
1: so when I when I left to go to Berkeley, she left to serve in Romania um, for uh, the LDS Church. So she was in uh, uh, on her mission. Uh, and then I was in law school, yeah. and then I came. Um, you got right in, to Utah, yeah, just yeah, in time. Just it. in just in time to make mm-hmm. make sure that that happened, and uh, it's been great ever since. I still do shopping for the for the family.
0: That's good. I, I shop for my family. Do I do. <laughs> See? As a matter of fact, I got my grocery list right here. <laughs> we when to, we're done here, we got to compare, and <laughs> <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to pick stuff up for dinner tonight. It's uh, it's great. So, uh, and then you did you say? Did I understand you say you set up your own uh, your own practice well or, no i, I primarily work for, I,
1: I worked at parsons bailey for almost 15 years oh, okay and so really was um mentored and tutored and became a partner all there for a time um i worked uh, as in-house counsel mm-hmm. general counsel for a, a startup software company mm-hmm. uh or not software tech company i would, I would better said um and um and then I also was a partner in a small venture.
0: And then what and, uh, to, what, so, and what kind of law were you doing at Parsons Bailey?
1: Did you litigate, litigate All sorts of different types court. of cases. We went to court. We, did, we, did you like that? You I liked, loved it. Yeah, yeah so I would That was think my favorite. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, connecting with a, with a jury or even a judge and being, now you don't get opportunities as much as you'd like to on massive cases. People, you know, when there's billions of dollars at stake, they don't want to necessarily mm-hmm. leave it in the hands of a jury. So oftentimes cases would settle Sad and it was a motion yeah. practice. But I, lo- I loved it. I, I, and I, my one regret is maybe not doing um, just uh, the type of law where I'd be in the courtroom all the time. Uh,
0: when did you think you
1: might enter uh, public life? Uh, again, I never really did. I had grown up with stories about my, um, you know, my father's uncle and godfather, the president of the Philippines, um, was always interested in politics. But I didn't like politicians, mm-hmm. and I really was maybe cynical a little mm-hmm. bit about the, the political mm-hmm. system. Um, uh, in 2000, oh, I'd say six. I, I sat on a number of nonprofit boards, so I felt like my, you know, service was serving just, on a lot of charitable yeah. boards. But actual government service, um, uh, maybe I maybe had some misperceptions. But in maybe 06 or seven, I, I started to be active as a delegate in my own precinct, um, and and really active at a grassroots level. Started to work on some campaigns. But um, not until about 2009 or 10 recent did I start to think about actually running for did somebody come to you and say a lot of somebody's came saying, saying, you know, we need you.
0: You're an attractive. You could be a very attractive candidate for the Republican Party.
1: Yes. And not in terms so much as, hey, you know, you fit a profile. We think you could be a good sell for the Republican Party. It was we desperately need a a, a real lawyer um, doing what we think you can do, you have a unique set of talents and skills. Um, and I had won some uh, honors uh, in the legal field, and and they they just thought that I would be great for one particular. It wasn't, hey, we think you should run for anything, mm-hmm. senator, whatever. Mm-hmm. It was the AG's office. We think you'd be great and and we well, want you to run specifically
0: for, for, for attorney general for attorney because general. because they said the attorney general's office needs some help
1: they they said <laughs> it needs some help now again you know i'm uh, i'm having sat in here i know no matter what you say or do a uh, large number of people are going to be dissatisfied yep. so uh, whether you know, you're a republican or a democrat, democrat doesn't matter it doesn't matter yeah. you 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 know you you make decisions mm-hmm. and, and 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 there'll be a large group of folks Hopefully, though, too, if they disagree with you, they can at least respect. I mean, that's, that's what I, uh, my vision for the office is. Even if people are unhappy with the cases that we have to represent or that we choose to, to take, that they that they respect that we're, we're that we believe that we're doing the, the the right thing under the law or the best thing you yeah. know the what our duty requires so anyway that that was a, not a not a real big um ambition of mine which again when i was running in 2012 maybe made me kind of immune to they they called it the worst dirtiest election ever in the history of utah and there was a whole house report about all of the yeah. things that happened to me and, and during that i was like you know what i if if I win, that's great, it'll be a unique opportunity sir. If I don't, I can go back to my family, making more money, um, you know, sitting on the boards that I love. And so it wasn't this like zero sum game for me. It was uh,
0: Refresh my memory, it was it, it, you were in a primary against John Swallow. That's right. I was in a and primary. And that was that was the nasty That was well, and it, it ex- it, it,
1: that, it, that was the extension of what had started it, prior to the convention. Um, process. Cause yeah. you know, there, there's, it was kind of a long lead in, but I had started to run the year before, uh, really at the, at the, in 2011. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he had a lot of name recognition and a lot of, um, That's right. Uh, He'd run for Congress, Congress before and, that. Yeah. And, and I knew it was a, it was a bit of a long shot, but I, I, I thought, you know what, I, I, I would like the opportunity and the privilege to serve. I think I could, um, uh, provide some unique skills and talents, uh, maybe a different perspective. I had I had from some experiences representing my clients with the office and and other things that I had heard and that were reported to me that gave me um, some pause.
0: And again, there were there were some people who said to you, "We need something a little different than we're going to get with John Swallow, and, and yeah, we, we and, would and, like and you I, to do that."
1: That's right. And, and and some of them said it more um, yeah. forcefully than that, and but more specifically, <laughs> yes. Yes, and I've tried to not, you know, really talk yeah. a lot about those travails because I think the, the legal process ought to, to have a… I un, yeah, uh, I, yeah, I understand. And, we, and I'm not going to ask you to go no, into it. And I you know. wouldn't go
0: into it no, uh, because there because there's still ongoing legal deals right. and you, you really can't talk about it. Uh, it's, uh, when you become attorney general, uh, you, you were appointed when Swallow Correct. resigned and then you won an election. A lot of the infrastructure of the attorney general's office is uh, in place and al- already. Uh, is it a difficult job to uh, unite those people under y- your way of doing things and your vision, or is it a matter of them letting, uh, letting them shape you
1: in a certain way? Um, I think it's a little bit of both. I've certainly learned a lot about the the, the culture and the work that they do here, and I've tried to be, um, you know, maybe have a servant leader mentality. In, in other words, um, you know, I, I'd never ask my people to do anything I wouldn't be willing to do myself, including you know going down to Columbia or anything. I, I want to be. There. I want to be there in court if I can, you know, time permitting. And so that yes, I certainly learned from them, but I I, I do think that it's significant. You come in, you have to change certain attitudes. Um, the the vast majority of people here were are dedicated public servants. There's never been a problem with corruption with them. There may have been some mistakes at the higher levels, but they're tremendous. However, they, were, they didn't have the resources, the tools, the policies, the protocols, the procedures, the technology, none of that infrastructure to actually win and do the jobs that they're, that they're so willing to do, um, you know, spurning higher salaries in the, in the public sector and the private sector, excuse me. So coming in, it was hard to make sure, even when you were trying to help them, they had such a fear and distrust of uh, sort of what was going on at the highest levels that it took a while, but, but I think that's happened again not with everybody there's always going to be someone who's disgruntled when you're raising the bar and saying we're expecting and demanding this much more from everyone but by and large it's been a clarion call for most of them say hey finally we're getting the support we need now we can do our jobs with the excellence that we've always wanted to and it's really picked up our game Across the board, from our investigators, paralegals, lawyers, everywhere. Criminals. I would have, I would have
0: hoped it, uh, and uh, would have picked up spirits as well.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, the yeah. morale was so, so bad. I've done some business turnarounds, never encountered a situation like this that mm. we faced in terms of um, morale, mm-hmm. um, not only from internally our personnel, but our clients. Our clients were so upset about you know all the state agencies that we represent, and all. Yeah. The, and and now again, it's not perfect, but. You know, we we state auditor just did a client satisfaction survey. Only six percent of the clients today, oh, this is four months ago, said that they were dissatisfied anymore. That, that's a, almost uh, the opposite of what it was when we came in. Um, you know, less than a year before, because they know we're trying. They know mm-hmm. we're um, you know we're rolling up our sleeves, not worrying about who gets the credit or political agendas, uh, and just trying to trying to do the best job we can for for Utah.
0: Uh, let's talk about uh, uh, this trip to Colombia you took. Sure, and, uh, and I took some notes on it and, okay. and made some. Uh, uh, you know, and I have a couple of questions, but the story will tell itself. Um, you took a trip to Colombia uh, in September of. I think it was. I think it was October. October.
1: Uh, October of uh, yes, it was. Uh, it was 2014, so it was last year.
0: Uh, and you went there. And nobody knew about this. I mean the general public didn't know about it. Correct. And and the the purpose of the trip, along with uh an organization called the Underground Railroad. Operation Underground Railroad, that's yeah, right. Was to rescue uh child sex slaves. That's right. How did this all come
1: about that you got involved in that? A couple of factors I think contributed to that. One was our Office the AG's office handled uh, a very high profile case against a child uh, trafficker. He was also a narco trafficker um, in West Valley City uh, earlier in the year. He lived here. He li- well. He he resided here. He'd been deported six times. He was he didn't he wasn't here uh, legally. Mm-hmm. He was a known cartel member and uh, and, a, and a high profile um, gang leader in Victor, Central America. Rax. Was Victor R A X. So State of Utah versus Rax and uh, he was had abducted uh, children from other countries, and he was abusing them. he was abusing children from our own communities and uh, forcing them to um, carry or mule his drugs to schools. But when we prosecuted him, and, and again we didn 't finish that process because he took his own life during the pendency of the of the case he but was in, he was in jail he was in jail, and he yeah, killed he, him, so. killed himself. Mm-hmm. Which was sad in some ways because the victims never got the closure in terms of being able to face him and have him mm-hmm. uh, have the justice system, uh, have him reckon with it that way. On the other hand, uh, there was absolute closure in terms of him never being able to yeah. come back and victimize these these poor children mm-hmm. again. Um, n- now... That case really opened my eyes. I had, uh, you know, where I was a new AG, there's a million different things internally going on, large high-profile cases, and I'd heard statistics about human slavery and thought, okay, yeah, like a lot of people, that's happening in Africa and Southeast Asia, and it is, but that doesn't happen here in Utah. It can't happen here in Utah. It does, and Victor Rax was one case. Now, they're not all, in fact, most of them are not child Um, trafficking cases uh, the the majority are adult trafficking cases here here in 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 the united states and in utah but we pick up a lot of um traffic uh from uh, the border states california um, coming from uh, Europe and Asia, mm-hmm. countries like the Ukraine or Thailand,
0: and the adult trafficking is is a lot of it is as servitude, uh, Cor- yes, uh,
1: or prostitution. Oh, and also prostitution. I think the majority of it's prostitution here. The cases that we've uh, prosecuted, we've busted up a number of those rings, and we have active investigations. Um, and Bill, these are um, you know criminal enterprises purporting to be businesses up and down some of the streets that we all drive. Some of them are massage parlors, in fact. I think I've seen You've okay. probably you noticed. Know, you, I mean, you <laughs> sort of look at some of them and you go, exactly. really? <laughs> you, you, any one of those you've looked at and thought, mm. I wonder what that – that's got to be a front for something. It is. Um, <laughs> and, and we're investigating a lot of them, and we could investigate mm. a lot more and prosecute a lot more. We just don't have the manpower and resources mm. yet. But but I've I've made that an emphasis in our administration, and we are uh, aggressively pursuing those. And, and it broke my heart when I started to deal with. I mean, it breaks my heart every time you have victims of any mm-hmm. crime. Mm-hmm. And and we 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 take every case very seriously here. We agonize over the outcomes. Uh, people may not uh, believe that, or they may not realize that. But we you know we really are. We try to be as careful as we can. When, we, when you're dealing with children uh, who've been uh, caught up and enslaved and uh, made to suffer these horrible atrocities, or even adults, right? Women who are barely older than children themselves, 19, yeah. 21, abducted, drugged, raped, beaten, abused, isolated, psychologically tortured, put 10 in a little flat on top of State Street so that they can be prostituted out. I am, I am so appalled, but I'm not just frustrated with the traffickers I'm really frustrated with those who would create the demand for it. And when I do surveillance with my agents, I see, you know, well-dressed folks coming from downtown Salt Lake to uh, frequent these places, which creates the demand again. And, yeah. you know, that's, that's what really started to attune me to what Tim Ballard and Operation Underground Railroad was doing. And I reached out to him. And they're here and said, in, in Salt Lake. They're in Salt Lake, I think they're technically chartered or registered in California, but they're a Salt Lake-based mm-hmm. um, organization primarily. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tim left uh, federal law enforcement, um, not because he didn't like the agencies, but they the, the natural state of big bureaucratic – Agencies is they can't be as nimble. They, there's, there's lots of restrictions. And he saw too many kids just uh, not getting saved. And he left his pension. He left his stability and his badge mm-hmm. and started this up just last February. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I was in early stages trying to help uh, get them support and uh, work together. I, if I can focus on the domestic side, um, Tim used to be part of our Internet Crimes Against Children Task Force in the Utah Attorney General's office, and he took a lot of the technology and techniques to export them out to all of these other countries. So when we go do a mission like we did, a bus, a jump down in Colombia, you know, just saving those little girls and boys in and of itself is tremendously fulfilling. But but long term. The, 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 probably the bigger benefit is teaching the law enforcement partners down there how to do everything that we just did so they can replicate it. And they've called us from Columbia, from that city, saying, we've done half a dozen more stings just like the one you did because now we know and now we have the support from our government and we're combating. And had somebody done that, in Guatemala or El Salvador, we may never have had a Victor Rax mm. to come here in our country and demonize our kids and abuse them. Um, and so, you know, the Rax case was was kind of unique. He had been deported six times. He kept coming back in. When we caught him um, and then we wired up and miked a, a, an undercover informant to us, a, a confidential informant to get him. We committed to to prosecute him here in the U.S. justice system, keep him here. And then we had, by the time we filed our final charging documents, I think we had 60 witnesses. You know, the the federal agents had tried to make a case against him for years before. They never could because who would want to testify when they thought he was just going to come back? And those witnesses all disappeared or they they either died or they they were too intimidated. Um, So the Victor Racks cases happen in Utah more so, the adult trafficking cases happen, but the point is they 're happening and, and What I love about Utah is you know everybody is very trusting, and I think that 's a healthy trait and characteristic, but it makes us susceptible to things like white collar frauds affinity frauds and, and and trafficking issues like this, where people just don 't want to believe that it can. you went down to Columbia uh,
0: with uh, Tim Ballard in Operation Rescue. Yes. You posed as a bodyguard. That's true. uh, And you you speak fluent Spanish. And you went down, and and the sting was that you were uh, buyers. You were going to go down and start a, a sex slave hotel.
1: Yes, kind of it kind of morphed into what you just described at first, It was a smaller operation. We had sent one of our undercover assets uh, a very well respected businessman here to engage the traffickers as if he were just wanting to have a sex party, mm. which is what a lot of Americans and Canadians do instead mm-hmm. of taking a cruise with mm-hmm. their spouse They go have sex parties with little kids. Well, we found out that it wasn 't just the twenty kids that they promised to bring, but our Intel showed that there may be more than fifty children in that particular cell. So then we had to try to engage them, and we went back with this same undercover uh, asset. And he said, "What if I invest some like you know, millions of dollars and create a hotel or a, uh, a bigger modeling agency?" One of the devices they were using to dupe parents into giving their kids uh, to the traffickers was to tell them that they were uh, modeling. Uh, company Mm -hmm. and and one of the traffickers was a former Miss Cartagena so they had some credibility, people knew her and they sucked these poor children in the families were unaware that they were giving their children up to these monsters so we we said if we're going to invest we want to see every kid that you have and that was our aim, we can't just take 20 down if there's 30 more that they might be able to move away let's bring them all and so we were able to lure the traffickers into bringing every single child that they had to this little remote island that we had set up with law enforcement we had the military we we had it so I mean, we those guys didn't stand a chance by the time they got on the boats they were frisked I double frisked them when they came off made sure they had no weapons we took their phones away all the girls we isolated from them and put with our Um, trained workers and and jump team members to to try to calm them and protect them and then we went to do the actual transaction once we got them to say the horrible things that we needed them to say again and we gave them a large amount of money then law enforcement took them down there was a little snafu it was supposed to happen immediately it didn't it took 50 minutes instead of five minutes and so that's when we had to do a little kind of uh you know Mm -hmm. Dancing there, it's a good with the, thing
0: you know how to improvise. Yeah, we were so all
1: of a sudden we're like, well, what if we did five hotels? You know, and mm-hmm. people have asked, how did you keep them so engaged? Because they they were saying, well, that's good. Now that we've done the, the transacted, let's have the sex party. Let's bring them out, mm-hmm. invite all your friends over. We had twenty Americans, and we were saying, whoa, 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 you know, well, what if it's five hotels? And, and the the best thing we did was say, Now, who's going to have the biggest ownership interest amongst you five people? Well, that took. Thirty minutes just between them squabbling about who was uh-huh. gonna, you know, gonna be the kingpin, and that bought us enough time that um, we were able to make sure the kids were safe. We were taken down, arrested with them, so it, there was. It looked like we were just, you know, part of. The, you know, they, they were none the wiser in terms of who we were, but the kids found out. the The child and family service uh, agents that we work with and the humanitarian organizations told them they usually don't. The Americans are the good guys. They came to get you. And that was such a contrast from when we were negotiating with them during those 50 minutes. One of the things they did is brought out a couple of the young girls to show as prizes. Mm-hmm. This is, these are the gifts we have for you, particularly for the, the lead investor mm-hmm. who or the person who was playing the investor. And it was, one was an 11-year-old girl. They called her Lady, some made-up name. They had her all dressed up with a lot of makeup, and she was terrified. The drugs that they had given her earlier that morning had worn off. She was just you could see um stricken with fear, and you know they were parading her out to mm-hmm. show her and and you know she, in her mind, in five minutes, she was going to be the victim of uh, us and, and and our friends and, and to go from that moment where I just wanted to strangle the the guys that I was standing there, but you can 't you have to stay informed they're hugging you and slapping mm-hmm. you on the back and um and and to go to the point where after the arrest is made and those guys had been taken off, the the bad guys off the island, as we were boarding our boats, the young girls were singing to us and thanking us and crying, and we were crying. So on the mission, I mean, it was one of the most fulfilling and gratifying things that I've ever done in my life, but also one of the most horrifying things to see children up close and personal being subjected to that kind of cruelty. That's why I went, in part, because I wanted to see it. I wanted to not just talk about it in statistics. Mm -hmm. Um, When I try to educate other law enforcement about it or policy leaders, whether they're Democrats or Republicans or independents, it doesn't matter, I wanted to be able to say with some force, I've seen it, I know what it's like, and and let me tell you the story so that you will uh, take it to heart and help me make people more aware of what's going on.
0: I, I know we got to wrap it up here. Um, just a couple of really quick questions. You put yourself in some danger doing this. Yes. Uh, did you tell your wife that you were going to be in some danger? I did. And what did she say?
1: She said, be very, very careful. She didn't say, don't go, or what are you thinking? or No. She, well, one, she knows my personality and she knows that I would be heartsick if I thought I could do something and I, and I sat on the sidelines. So I think she understood that I was determined to go. Uh, of course, she asked me security questions and concerns and we, we kept it quiet for, for those reasons and also because we didn't want, I didn't want to distract from the, the mission, which was focusing on the saving those girls, training our law enforcement officers. And if you have somebody who has, some you know a title, uh, and so we we just kept it quiet with with everyone. Mm. Um, didn't want people also because of the proximity to the to the election to think, oh, this is some political stunt. Mm. Um, because I think it would have demeaned, would have taken away, lessened the, uh, the, the 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 mission itself and what we were trying to accomplish. So yeah, I, I told very few people. Only the people on the jump um, knew and uh, and our law enforcement partners there uh, in Columbia. Uh, you have kids of your own? I do. I have six from ages four up to 17, five <laughs> boys and a little girl. Do
0: they know their dad's a hero?
1: Um, you know, <laughs> that's kind uh, of you to say, Bill. I I, they, I, I certainly think that um, they were supportive of it, um, although they they do tease me and said, wow, Dad, if uh, you set the bar kind of low. If you can go on one of those, I think pretty much anybody <laughs> can now. Uh, my two older boys said, you can't even take us in wrestling anymore. What, m- maybe we should go. So my wife had to say, okay, my boys aren't going on, on any of these. Um, and I said, I, I, I promise. But thank you.
0: Uh, what happens to the kids that you rescue? Oh, uh,
1: I'm glad you what asked, them to them. Please, I really want to spend some time because every time I give an interview and talk about it, no one ever publishes that part of the interview. I know that the liberating part of the mm-hmm. mission is the most exciting. People like to talk about it. Before we even go into the countries, we we make sure that they are committed with their child and family service type agencies and humanitarian agencies. Um, We have partnered, I say we, OUR has partnered with the Elizabeth Smart Foundation. In fact, they've joined their foundations together. And Elizabeth and her dad, Ed, run the rehabilitation side of OUR. So there's the liberation uh, mission, the jump itself. after that, that that only really begins the very very long path to recovery and healing that these young girls and boys uh, are on, and and I you know I can't even imagine given the atrocities that they endured mm-hmm. how much um, and, and how resilient and how brave they have to be to to get by that um, you know re- if you imagine Elizabeth's case with in no way trying to minimize her case but you know that that kept our entire state just. On pins and needles for years, and anxiety and fear. But what's going on? And Elizabeth will tell you this. You multiply hers times ten thousand, times a hundred thousand. There's millions of children. They estimate two million currently um, captives in the sex slave trade. Twenty plus million adults. Some figures up as high as thirty five million who are modern day slaves for sex, sex exploitation, uh, hard labor, or even things like uh, harvesting their organs to sell in the black market. Mm. And so um, if there's any message, it's this is a real thing that's happening. The the recovery process is a significant thing that we focus on, but everyone has a voice and everyone can make a difference. Check out the OUR website, uh, Use social, Operation, operation Un- Underground Railroad. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another one called Fight the New Drug, and I'm not here to, to preach to you a, a lesson in morality. But, but pornography we see has a high rate of, um, uh, uh, of correlation with these people that we bust who are traffickers. That is not to say that everyone who consumes pornography will end up trafficking sure. and abusing children. But there's almost 100% of the people that we've busted who are those mm. depraved folks started off with casual pornography consumption. And so there is a, there's a link. And people ask all the time, what do we do? So there's a group called Fight the New Drug that doesn't come from a political angle or a, uh, or a religious angle, just a scientific one that helps especially the youth understand what happens when they get caught up, just like a drug um, and, and pornography as an addiction takes over their lives. Those types of things, the youth, uh, your listeners, they can make a difference by reporting anything that they see that seems amiss i don 't mind if 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 everyone in the world reports on the same exact uh, massage parlor that you passed by and thought was kind <laughs> of was kind of strange, mm-hmm. or if we have ten reports that turn out to be nothing, I would rather have that than to miss a report that might have been a Victor Rax case, and thank goodness that that one person in West Valley City had the awareness and then the courage to report that. Or, or Victor Rax might still be out there uh, demonizing uh, and, and, and being a predator uh, in our midst. So it, people can unite voices. This is this, this also. I want to make this last last point. This is not a, a Democrat issue. It's not a Republican issue. And it's a humanitarian issue. And this is one place where we can all join together. I think w- without any concern and you know it, it crosses and transcends socioeconomic bounds and religious cultural all of those sometimes mm-hmm. divisive areas this is one place where we can really make a difference here in Utah and Utah's leading out uh, nationally and internationally so I appreciate the time bill to talk about
0: uh, it. I noticed there's a place I think it's on the attorney uh, on your website the attorney general's website there's a uh, a whole section about w- how to spot child yes. trafficking, and uh, that's right. what What is that website? Uh, if you go there, do you, um, uh, what is Attorney General. Utah. Attorney General w- Utah Utah.
1: Dot, you know. Gov. That's that's exactly the go one there. We have resources, and and also that's a way for them to communicate with us if they have something to report. Okay, do that. Uh, Sean Reyes has been a pleasure
0: speaking with you. And two and uh, if, uh, you know, if you would mind just a little Elvis, a
1: little <laughs> Elvis, <laughs> okay, just a, just a uh, let's see. Oh, there's a one for the money, two for the show, three to get ready now. Go cat, go, but don't you step on my blue suede shoes? You can do anything, but lay off of my blue suede shoes. You see, so, <laughs> he does very well, very well. That's horrible, but thanks, Bill, <laughs> Sean Reyes, <laughs> Attorney
0: General, State of Utah. Thanks for talking with us. All me. right. Let's go share some coupons. All right. (laughs) right. Well, that's it. The Let's Go Eat show without any eating, but with a little singing from the Attorney General, the state of Utah, Sean Reyes. Uh, I just want to thank uh, Sean Reyes once again, and I want to thank uh, Missy Larson, his uh, press person. Uh, We had a nice time in his office. No food, but a little bit of Elvis right there. I'm Bill Allred, and... You know, now I'm going to go home and pour myself a double.